Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. Welcome to another episode of 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom. I'm very excited to have Heather Bender here with me today. Heather runs law practice, Gross Point Law Center. She runs a client-centered family law practice focusing on divorce, custody, child support, maintenance, and property division. And one of the reasons I reached out to Heather to do this podcast is because she really has a focus on working with women, as do I. As a financial advisor, I work with a lot of women who have recently gone through divorce, and I thought it was important to really cover the topic of things that I see women maybe overlooking when it comes to the financial aspect of divorce. And many of the people that I have worked with, as well as just people in my social network, have talked about how helpful Heather has been for them in their process and really how much care she takes with this uh, subject specifically. So I'm so thrilled to have you here today, Heather. Thank you for agreeing to do this podcast with me. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here and uh, talking to you. I know that I've heard same very good things about you and we live in a small community and reputation goes a long way. And I've heard very good things from my clients too. So I'm glad to be here and talk about these things a little bit more with you. You know, and I hesitate, I know we both are hesitating to call these financial mistakes because no one wants to hear that they've made a mistake when it comes to divorce. So if you're listening and you have done any of the things we bring up, nobody's judging you here, but we do want to try and give some guidance to those who maybe are thinking about or starting the process of divorce of some things they might want to consider. So maybe more like financial considerations when it comes to divorce. What is the main issue you see when women um, go into the divorce process and the negotiation process when it comes to the financial end of a divorce? Yep. So, you know, and, and these are generalizations, right? This doesn't, this isn't a one size fit all kind of thing. You see clients that have different needs and, and I do the same. So yeah, calling them mistakes, they can be, you know, these are things that I think people really need to consider before they make the decision because they are mistakes that clients have told me they wish they didn't make for them. Generally, these are things that I think people should, or women especially, should try to avoid when they're going through divorce. Um, And the first thing I guess, and the one thing that I see a lot, is what I call looking for the closest emergency exit. They say stuff like, Heather, my husband is just being so difficult. He's narcissistic. He's just, everything's a fight. I don't want my kids to see this anymore. I just want to be done. And I have supportive family or I have, you know, enough saved up that I think I'm going to be okay. Or sometimes I hear things like, well, he told me that if I don't agree to this, that he's going to be living under a bridge, right? He can't afford this financial um, kind of downturn. And so I just want to be done. I don't care if it's equal. I don't care if it's totally fair, but I just need to be done with it. Um, I think that that's a problem because 
Nobody wants to go through a divorce. The process itself is difficult. It's hard and it's not fun for families. And this is the hardest part, right? Usually when you're in that negotiation process, that's the hardest part because you're working out the details. But a divorce judgment is a business transaction. You know, we, we have to think about what this means short term, but also what it means long term. Because if you're middle aged, you're going to have to deal with this transaction. You're going to have to deal with this final contract forever. And so, you know, this is something that I see, but I, I also try to offer some solutions. And the big thing I tell people is find your tribe, find your people, get yeah. good advice, right? Your financial planner. It's an important thing to go over. Your, your tax prep, right? Your accountant, um, your best friend. You know, I find that women are usually very good at giving their best friends good advice. So I often right. say like, what would you tell your best friend? If your best friend came to you and said, what do you think about this? You'd probably say, no, like you guys were in a partnership, right? Why would you take less than half? You wouldn't agree. You wouldn't tell me to do that. So you I have do find that when you. it comes to finances, people are pretty private and it's kind of taboo. So I don't know. I mean, maybe with a best friend, but I think that's one of the problems I see when women are going through divorce. A lot of times they're trying to keep it kind of private so they don't right. have anyone to talk yeah. about it or, um, you know, and it's, it's definitely a gender stereotype, but I'm still seeing quite a bit where the man still takes care of the household finances. Yep. Um, so they'll even consult with their soon to be ex-husband. on the financial. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking to the person who has the most to lose here. I really love that you, you know, focus on helping women with that. And I, I also have a confession that I myself made the number one mistake of pulling the shoot up. I was divorced in my twenties. I had a short marriage and there were no kids involved. So I know it was, you know, certainly wasn't a messy situation, but I just wanted out. I wanted to be done. And I basically gave him like all the equity in our house. And I just, he wanted to drag it out. He did not want to get divorced. And I look back now and I'm like, that was so silly of me to really, but I can relate to that emotion of just, I don't want to go through this stress, this emotional stress. I want to move on. Yeah, it happens a lot. And that's why I I really think, you know, that's what I just think about you 2.0. Think about the new person that you want to be afterwards. Because even like with you, Melissa, like you made it through that. Even when you think you made that yeah. mistake, you are okay. And a lot of people would be okay. But they also deserve better. Their worth is more than what they think. I have several clients who are divorced who are stay-at-home moms. And sometimes when you say know your worth, that's one of my passions is really helping women, whether they're happily married or going through a divorce, to understand that what you're doing for your family is worth something. And so it's not his money. If he's the one earning an income, you are entitled to, is it is it half? I mean, what uh, in the state of Michigan, how do they look at that? So usually, yes. Michigan is a no-fault state. Sometimes fault can come into play as far as how assets are divided. But the general rule and what happens most of the time is it's everything gets thrown into the pot and gets divided equitably, which is usually close to even, right? Right. It doesn't matter if it's, I have people say, well, it's his pension, right? He's the one that's been working or it's his 401k. And he said that he earned that. And you know, maybe he's right. Maybe I shouldn't get half of his pension. He's worked all of his life for that, or he's worked for the last 20 years for that. And it's like, yeah, but you guys had a social contract, right? You decided that you would stay home and make dinner and fold laundry and, you know, 
change more diapers than he did. This was your agreement. And the way that Michigan looks at that is that's your pension too. That's your pension, plural, right? And I will say it is hard to make that up in my current happy marriage. Um, I took some time off from my career to stay at home with the kids. And I'm thankful that I have an opportunity to come back and have a second chance at a career. But one thing that I still have not been able to make up are those, you know, several years out of the workforce, out of a 401k, and I wasn't able to contribute to an IRA during that time. So my retirement funds are much lower even now um, in this profession because that time is impossible to make up. So you shouldn't feel that you're not entitled to those. And things I see women doing is sort of discounting those qualified assets. So the pension or uh, 401k assets, if it comes down to division of assets, they are more likely to want to keep the marital home than than worry about the longer term assets. Do you feel that that is something you see women looking at? I do. And a lot of times that's tied into kids. If they have kids, right? I want to stay in the same school district. They're, their friends live in this neighborhood and this divorce is so hard already. I want to provide them with comfort. And sometimes that might be a good idea. But yeah. you know, when you compare assets, you have to understand the difference. I had a case just a couple months ago where the woman wanted to stay in the house. And so she gave up all of his retirement. She traded retirement for house. And that might make you comfortable right now, right? Like I get that, but it may not make you comfortable in 10 years. It may be a problem when it comes time for you to actually need retirement assets to live that quality of life that you're used to. And study after study shows that when there's a divorce, a woman's quality of life and income and ability to live in the same lifestyle that she's used to, that re- that's reduced by like 30%. Whereas for men, it goes up. So, you know, we have to think about all of these factors. There's a ton of factors involved. And, you know, this is your first time going through a divorce or your second time going through a divorce. We can't expect people to know these things, right? They need experts to help them because it's new to them. And right. You know, it's important to do that in a way I, I try, and I'm sure you try, um, to provide the information, but still recognize this is your life, right? And I'm just going to, my job is to make sure that your decision is an educated one. So I'm going to give you all the information that you need to decide, but I might challenge you on some things because in my mind, you're discounting the value of a retirement account or, you know, something that might become important to you in five years versus something that's right in front of your nose. Let's not discount too the emotional nature of everything that's going on. One of the reasons I do focus on working with women is especially in this stage in their life that the emotional nature of everything sort of takes precedence. And I see them transform from when they first come into my office and they're like, I I have this settlement. I don't know what to do with it. I never manage the finances. I have no idea how much I can afford a house or, you know, for a car. And then seeing them take that responsibility. And I think that later version of them, like 2.0, I think you said, which is great, comes back and says, gosh, I can't believe I, I didn't know this then, right? And they look back and I love to see that transformation of somebody who really just comes out of their cocoon and knows how much money they have in the bank and how much they need and feels confident in that. But to get to that point, again, I don't want to call it mistakes, but there are steps that could have been taken. So I think that's great that you really focus on educating people on their 
options to kind of get through that emotional fog that they're in. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, I think, and that's why it's important to have someone who's a little more objective. You cannot be objective about your own life when it's your own life, right? It's like being objective about your kids. Everyone thinks their kid is the best kid in the world or the worst kid in the world, I guess, depending. But on the day, but yeah. (laughs) Exactly. These days, eh. but you know, it's, it's tough to be objective when it's your own life. And that's why I think when you consult with somebody who first, understands that and treats you gently, right? And isn't trying to shove something down your throat, but is gently challenging you to say, you know, I don't live your life, but from the outside, here's something I think you should consider. You hired me because I, I, they, they are subjective, right? They are subjective about, they can't be objective, but you can, you as a financial planner can, you know, it, and that I think is your duty to, your clients is to say, I, I get where you're coming from, but let me just nudge you a little bit because I know this is your life and I know that the emotion is very difficult to detach from the financial aspect of it, but I don't want you to regret this decision. Right. Yeah. And I think just in, in financial planning in general, we usually focus on short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. And it's important to look at all three buckets. So to have a little bit of each, you know, when you're looking at the financial division, um, some equity in the house or equity to buy a new house, if you're not going to keep the marital home, some mid-term um, money for college education for your children or whatever is important to you in that you know mid-range and then that long-term Uh, retirement assets as well. So trying to get them to focus on all three is usually what I do. But again, oftentimes it's too late because by the time they call me, it's I have this paperwork that shows me I get X from his 401k. What do I do with it? And so um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this so we can try and help people in that early stage and um, really educate them on what those options are. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I know when we were talking, you also mentioned it was one of my favorite um, parts about mistakes, or if you will, that women make in divorce, which is, uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but buying into, <laughs> <laughs> buying into yeah, buying into the BS. This is, this, this has me the most intrigued. What do you mean by this? So what I mean by that, and so my background, let me talk a, just for a second on that. My background is in psychology. I, oh, wow. I was a psychology major. I did a lot of women's studies work. I did a lot of, um, you know, kind of delving into gender roles and stereotypes. And I think there are a few of them that even when you challenge them, it's kind of hard not to fall into those same patterns. And so when I say that, I'm talking about the BS that women should be martyrs or should play the peacemakers. It's your job as the mother or the wife to be the peacemaker. You know, I don't, and I have clients who say, Heather, I just, he, you know, that we talked about that a little bit. He's so difficult. Like, I just want a peaceful home. I just, and I can deal with it. I can deal with anything. And you know what? It's probably true. We are tough. We do deal with a lot. And I think by the time they end up in your office, they've dealt with so much that it's just about, yeah. But they don't have to, right? Right. That's, there's, and, and with the psychology background, this idea of, you know, what do you want your relationship with your ex to be? You know, what kind of boundaries do you need to set up? How do you want to change how you've 
been communicating. And some of that is changing your role. And so if you used to be the one who always said, okay, fine, sorry, I don't want to fight. Um, but really there are things that need to be kind of talked about, even if it's uncomfortable, then that needs to happen. And, and so when we look at negotiations sometimes, those stereotypes, those gender roles that you need to be the one to make it right, or you need to be the one that makes do with whatever it is you're given, instead of saying, I'm going to take what is mine. Um, yeah. And I very, I very, very rarely run into women who are like, I'm going to get divorced and take what's mine. You know, it's not. Yeah. And I like how you said it's a business deal. It's not, it doesn't have to be about playing nice. It's about this deal that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. So it's about getting what you deserve, not so much, you know, right. that you're trying to screw anybody out of money. This is right. your money. I, I rarely have a, I have clients who say, I'm not trying to screw them over. I just, you know, it's, it's never like I'm going for everything. It's usually, I don't want to screw them over. And then they tell me what they think is fair. And I'm like, yeah, you're not screwing them over. You're, you're yeah, kind of right? undervaluing. And uh, it's usually the ones who have been through yeah. so much that say that too. I found. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you should it's screw true. them over. No, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't say that. Not at all. But that's interesting. Any guidance on when people should look at or what things they should consider if they do want to keep the house. Because again, everything the same, because there's so much change, the house, um, really just focusing on my kids and their well-being. How do you tell people that this might not be the best financial decision to stay in the house? If I think what I try to do is challenge what they really know, right? Um, how much have you thought about this? Well, I just know the kids. Okay, but have you crunched numbers? Have you thought about, because a lot of times if there's equity in the house, then you have to essentially buy your husband out. You are going to have to refinance to take his name off, depending on what the judgment says or what your agreement is. Um, but have you really crunched those numbers to know what that means financially? Because again, we know emotionally you want to do that, right? We You've made your house a home and you want to enjoy it. That's 100% understandable. That's your emotional decision. Can we make that jive with the financial decision that needs to be made? Is this a financially sound decision? And you need to do your homework. You need to look into that. You need to see how much it's going to cost, not just to pay the mortgage, right? Are right. taxes included in that? Is insurance included in that? Um, what, what about, you know, how big is this house? What kind of electric bill are you going to have or gas bill? Or, you know, there's a whole lot more to that, that you need to think about, except can I pay the mortgage? What percentage of your income is going to be paying that mortgage? Right. Right. And then of course, you know, what happens, what kind of emergency funds are you going to be left with if there's a roof problem or a sewer line here in Gross Point, yep. we got to mention that because yep. that's always a big one. Or and I do flooding, right? <laughs> right. Yes. No, it's Gross Point. So certainly those are things that we look at. But yeah, so the maintenance of the house and the upkeep, certainly that's one of the bigger ones that I see by the time they come to me again, they're already feeling that pressure of, you know, what percentage of their maintenance or alimony is, is going towards the, had the household. And I think another thing, to ask your, yourself when you're wondering, what, what is this? What can I do this? And I want the kids to have this stability. There are a lot of ways to provide stability to kids. And a lot of it's emotional, right? You need to be in a good place yourself. 
That's the most important thing. Not what how big your kid's bedroom is or what's in that bedroom, right? I mean, and if they're if you're feeling financially stressed and money is tight, you're not going to be able to represent your best self for your kids, which they really need. Right. Right. So again, I think it's important to just challenge those ideas. And that's why it's important, I think, to have this tribe that I talked about. You know, I mean, talking about my background in psychology, one of the research projects that I worked on was with domestic violence survivors. And what the research, what they were trying to show is how does having an advocate help women get through this difficult time. And so in this research project, they interviewed the women, half of them got an advocate, half of them didn't. And the ones who got the advocate would say, hey, what about schooling? I can help you find furniture. We can look at housing. I can help you with childcare. And the women who had an advocate did so much better. Everybody needs an advocate, right? And that's why it's so important to find a financial planner, to find an attorney, to confide in your friends, even if it's saying embarrassing things, because they will advocate for you. And sometimes advocating isn't telling you what you want to hear, but having you really challenge that. And so does staying in this house make sense? Find someone who's going to give you an honest opinion on that and be open to the answer. That is one service that I provide for, for a consultation. So if you're in this process and you maybe just need a second opinion or an objective opinion on something. For me, I have found, uh, especially working with women, we're great networkers. So if I help somebody out and kind of give them that opinion, it usually comes back to me whether they become a client or they refer someone to me. So that is certainly something that um, I'm willing to do if anybody needs that. So could we just touch on, I know it's such a big topic, we could probably have a whole podcast, but a quadro. One of the things I have is women come in and they think that the money is in their name somewhere in this mysterious account and they have not actually um, gotten that part of the divorce. Yeah. So the dreaded quadro, it usually gets drafted after the divorce is finalized. And a lot of times it doesn't get drafted because the divorce is finalized and they forget about that. Um, there's actually a new, new law on this not that long ago that the statute of limitations doesn't apply to quadros. So even if it's 15 years later and you realize, oh, I never got this account that I thought this portion, the, the quadro, quadro is called the Qualified Domestic Relations Order. And what it does is it transfers retirement benefits from the participant the husband usually in in my situation, um, to the alternate payee or the wife. And so you need this order to tell whoever holds these retirement assets to give you what you have coming under this divorce judgment, but you need a separate document to do it. And it's highly technical. Different plans have different rules and they're really neurotic about how your what your wording looks like and whether they'll they'll, you know, acknowledge it and disperse. So that's something that needs to be talked about beforehand. So it's not forgotten because it can cause so many troubles, uh, so many problems if it's not done timely or not done at all. And then you find out so long after, and it's just harder to get what you had coming however long ago. Um, so that's an important way to kind of transfer those funds and to keep an eye on that. Even when you think you're done, you're not. Right. And it's that one last step. It's like, well, I have my divorce decree here. And you read, now they're not in all fairness. They're not um, 
even for your own divorce to read it cover to cover is, you know, it's not light and light read, right? It's legalese and it's hard to understand. So I understand how women would say, okay, well, I get, you know, part of his pension when he retires or I get half of his 401k. But until you take that step to order the quadro to be drafted, that's not the company where he works or did work has not separated those assets into your name. And I think that's one of the technical mistakes I see women make, which is to not go forward with that part of the process or not have it signed by the court. Right. (laughs) It might be drafted, but signed. So, um, you know, that's something that I often help people with, but certainly something I want to mention for anybody who might be going through this process that after you get that degree, you have to take it one step further if there are qualified assets. Yes, it's not what I tell my clients is the judgment is not self-executing, right? There's another step involved with another player because, you know, GM has no idea that you just got divorced and half of that pension or 401k is yours until someone tells them. And so, you know, and the sooner the better because everything... This is how I this is how I live my life. If I don't do it right away, I forget about it, right? So right. Let's just let's just do it all at once. Um, it, there has become a trend in drafting the quadro actually before the judgment has been entered um, as a way to kind of you know make sure that you don't forget that. but yeah, it, it's a mess if you do. It really is. even though you you can get it eventually, it just creates so much more hassle and usually expense to get it done. Yeah. And I will say for the record, it was nobody that worked with you that didn't <laughs> know about it. I I think a good attorney will let them know that there is that additional step. But again, that emotional fog that I see women in yeah. where not only maybe you told them that they have to do this, but it just, you know, kind of went right over their head because they're just, they've got so many balls in the air and we do not that it's a fault, but tend to worry about our kids and the emotional aspect more than the financial aspect sometimes, which I think is how some of those financial balls in the air sometimes get dropped. But so Heather, this has been really informative and I'm sure our listeners who are considering divorce or currently in the process of divorce and want to find out some more information and resources, if they want to get a hold of you, what is the best way? So the best way right now is to either go through my website, www.mygplcgrosspointlawcenter.com or email me at heather at mygplc.com. And I also offer a free consultation. I'd be happy to talk with people being done remotely right now, but the courts are open and they're processing paperwork a little more slowly than they used to, but they are. And we can talk about kind of what kind of goals you have and see if we're a good match and go from there. Great. Well, I'm going to also put those links in the show notes so people can access those. But again, I just want to thank you for your time. And I hope that you will join me again. We'll come up with some other topics uh, because this has been so much fun. Definitely. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.